you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. You will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the Library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for person of interest featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit, Anna. Jude, Anna, how you doing? Well, I my basement is Anna. You live Anna. You are giving you're given a ninety second limit to your answer. My basement is. <laughs> We're going Lincoln Douglas Day debate rules. All right, my my basement is experiencing <laughs> some some mild flooding, so we'll leave it at that. Okay, I'm sure it'll be fine. Right, right. The water is not brown, apparently, so it, it could, could be, be worse. worse. And now we've jinxed it on yep. record. Yeah, but only in like four weeks when this episode comes out. <laughs> yeah. Jude, how you doing? Oh, God. How do you even answer that? Fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to just go with an average fine. Okay. 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 I took my kid to a touch a truck event today that was going on at the same time as a free book fair type thing. And they had a line that was about eight kids long at the pig cruiser. And everybody got to run the siren. So... That was dope, just listening to little kids run the siren. All right, so um, tonight we are covering the final two episodes of season one. Dang. Uh, Episodes 22 and 23, No Good Deed and Firewall. Your uh, summarist for episode 22 is uh, yours truly. So, Justin, take it away. Thanks, Justin. (laughs) Jeff Stormer, please don't sue. (laughs) So this is season one, episode two, No Good Deed, written by David Slack, um, not to be confused with his brother, David Discord. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you! (laughs) Such a dumb joke. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god that's really good <laughs> um, <laughs> and directed by Stephen Williams our number this week is Henry Peck who's a financial analyst no he's really an NSA analyst in fact he's presently trying to whistleblow because something is changing his reports that something is in fact bum 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 the machine, which is using Peck's reports to inform the government of terrorist threats. Peck has been asking too many questions, and the NSA wants him to stop. First, they plant drugs at his house to try to get him to lose his job. And when he still won't stop once he loses his job, they just say, fuck it, let's kill you. To save himself, Peck get, get, gets himself arrested, and Reese busts him out to save him from the assassins. Peck tries to talk to a journalist, but Harold takes that journalist's place and tells Peck about the machine's existence and begs for him to stop. He gives Peck resources and a new identity. Peck reluctantly accepts these. 
However, we see a replay of the scene a few minutes later, and it's revealed that sitting just a few tables away with a mic is... Alicia Corwin. Bum, bum, bum. Our B-plot is just at the start of the end of this episode, with John tailing Harold and finding what he initially thinks is Harold's house, but it in fact belongs to a woman named Grace, who is Harold's fiance. But she thinks Harold's dead and that she lost him a few years ago. And it's very sad. Harold reveals that he knows about this and that he has a little app to prevent himself from getting exposed to Grace. Our flashback for this episode involves the last night before Harold and Nathan hand the machine over to the government. This was originally written as Harold and Nathan's last night. Um, and I was like, wait, no, I'm going to gonna have to rewrite that. Um, <laughs> um, and Nathan expresses regret about possible exploits for the machine and the ethics of what they are doing. In a later scene between Nathan and Alicia, he accidentally lets slip the existence of another person who knows about the machine, but he tries to play it off. I feel like the best way to describe this episode is it starts out feeling like a, a number of the week, and then about a third of the way through, the booster rockets go yeah. off. Mm -hmm. And it just lights up, and it accelerates the whole rest of the way through the episode uh, until that bangerang last scene with the David Bowie song where Finch is just spilling all the details. Yeah. And and it's it's constructed in such a way that the audience realizes that this dude knows or, you know, is getting close to knowing about the machine before Reese and Finch ca uh, catch on to that. Yeah. So we're all but sitting there being like, just ah! before. Yeah. Fun fact that I suspect you were going to bring up in this episode, but I will bring it up anyway. Grace, the woman who plays Grace in this episode. Have we already talked? Has she already been on the show? She has not. The woman who plays Grace on this show is, in fact, uh, the actor who plays Harold's actual oh, wife. That's cute. Yeah, I knew that. I like that. Yeah. That's nice. It's yeah. It's very sweet. I like it. It's it will be more obvious in later episodes when you see them interact in flashbacks because they have just a very charming natural chemistry. That's lovely. I, mm -hmm. I really like that. My favorite weird part of this episode is the coffee maker. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is such a wild, weird bit of like espionage. I feel like somebody was like flipping through a book of like Soviet spy exploits and read read this <laughs> and and put it in the episode because it feels like the kind of thing that shouldn't work in the in the modern world. Yeah, like wouldn't somebody be like, wait, did anybody actually order a new coffee maker? <laughs> I mean, at that point, you're just like. Uh, so some idiot messed up the requisition form. Yeah. Somebody put a post-it note that, that whoever, like, the facilities manager took too seriously. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure that they can manage that part. I just mostly mean, like, it feel, I, I'm slightly incredulous that you can, that they would not be on, like, an isolated power circuit or something. But I love it. I think it's great, this coffee machine with a little camera in it. Uh, my other favorite part is when Finch is trying to get what's his name out of the office out of the office and reese is like it's an nsa office be discreet and reese is like pew 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 what pew 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 and he's like immediately just like busts out the machine pistol <laughs> and is yeah i love those moments where finch and reese are at like where where finch's occasional even though he's been doing this for like a season now his naivete about like the how fast things can go sideways and he's like, you really, you know, you've got to be on the down low. And Reese is like, 
look, we've passed that point. We're there's a scene where like he's like, John, you have to avoid direct contact, and it is immediately followed up by John leaping and diving at Peck to save him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think we're thinking of much the same moment, the same scene. I also have like questions about that skiff because. It feels like you should not be able to like spy on a skiff through its windows. And I was there like was there a window that was looking into the actual room? Uh huh. Uh huh. Because oh, okay. because John is spying on Peck while he is doing his financial analyst work, and it's not at the before it's clear that you know he's not in fact yeah. a financial analyst. So he's like staring through the window of that skiff with like his fancy camera. And it's like this seems this seems bad. There are two things that you probably like that are probably involved in that scene. One, you probably have all monitors facing away from windows. Yeah. And two, I mean, it's it's also there to probably preserve like the veneer of like looking at it because if you can't see what's on the computer screens, a stock floor and an NSA floor, eh, probably not going to look too different. Yeah. It's a bunch of white dudes in suits running around and talking at each other very very uh intently. Yeah. You'd think that you at least have like some blinds down or something like that. Yeah, yeah but maybe, yeah. but maybe you just gotta have that natural light. <laughs> they need some some lovely sheer curtains, is what they need. Yeah, a little a, a nice little lace number. I do wonder if those windows are soundproof. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I would assume they, I would assume they are soundproof, or that they've had some something yeah. added in. I have. So much love for the woman who's at the front desk of that skiff, though. It's like, oh, you have asked three questions. 45. <laughs> you seem suspicious. You are not a recognized face, and you have showed any level of curiosity. I'm going to point a gun at you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For once in his life, John cannot charm his way through something. <laughs> yeah. I always have a thing of whenever I watch this episode that John's like Harold uh, or John is like Peck is a knock Peck is a knock and every time I think of that I think of the knock list from Mission Impossible the first Mission Impossible <laughs> where the drinking game is every time they say knock list you take a drink and then you die <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like, that's every yeah. time I'm like I see this episode I hear knock and I'm like knock drink <laughs> That's funny. And, and then you get the flashback. One, you're like, okay, there, where Harold and Nathan are like, okay, we're packing this up to send to the government. But Nathan cannot stop. He's like, how do we know? Yeah. The one thing about this show that I do, that presses on my incredulity a little bit is like, you built an AI and you gave it to a government. Why? Just why? I... Nine, I get that 9-11 was a weird time, but also, did you not think, like, I get Finch is the, like, genius that doesn't think about consequences. He just does the the fun thing. And no programmer has ever taken an ethics course. I've learned, yeah. <laughs> I've learned this through just repeated interactions with programmers. I live in Silicon Valley. Yeah. CF Uber. Yeah, and then Nathan, I, I do like that, like, the businessman Nathan is the one who is like, should we have thought about this, like, I don't know, like, five extra minutes? Several years ago? Yeah. Before we told the government what we did? I don't know, maybe? And Finch is like, it's fine. 
It's a black box. They can't get into it. I'm sure they won't do anything weird to try and subvert that. They'll just take it as a blank check. They'll just accept that situation and not try and abuse it for their own powerful reasons. And Nathan's like, and now I poke a hole. And now, now we can access it just in case. Oh, buddy. And like, and Harold reminds me, he's like, you like any exploit is a total exploit. Yeah, yeah, which um, is great. And we're gonna get there. <laughs> I see you, you called out the uh, patches itself comment. Oh, yeah, um, the thing where like the machine, the machine like patches and upgrades itself, and I'm just like squints. Well, so yeah, if it if it were not true emergent ai that would be suspicious but that's the the hallmark of that was the point at which when he said that that was the point at which i remember the first time i was watching the show i was like <gasps> yeah this is me for we're doing radio so i realize you can't see the idiotic face i just made but <laughs> that's the hallmark of emergent ai is the ability to update and improve self yeah. self improving ai so to me, that was the mo- moment where I was like, either the people who wrote this show don't know what they're doing, or they they really do. And not a spoiler, it's the second one. Yeah, yeah. It it is very clear at the that the machine, uh, she is uh, sometimes doesn't do it fast enough. Is a reactive force. But yeah, that's definitely that's definitely like a clue that. But it's like. Harold, buddy, you should know that like normal computers don't do this. Yeah, I think it's they knew what they they knew what they made. Yeah, it's just that they well well didn't. Think I don't think sure that they Nathan do. fully grasped. Finch is in pretty. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Not a spoiler per se, but like in the you know in the in the coming seasons we will see exactly how much Finch understands about what he's made and the degree of like denial that he is in about what it is and it's a fat it's one of the most fascinating relationships in the show i think between finch and and his machine yeah between what finch thinks and i I noted while i was rewatching last night just the music of the show tells you exactly what the framing of the machine is in the narrative through the choice of music the line mm-hmm. that in the last scene where they're replaying the scene where Elisa's listening, when after um, Harold says, because I built it, the line, God is an American, is sung. And, <laughs> and that is what, like, you know, I, well, well, it's it's going to become more obvious what that means, but it's, it, it is, that is preparing you for what this is. Wild. Yeah, he's made the God in the machine. Yeah. He's made God. And I, I think it's very clear that I, I like, we're not talking about like, like I, we're not talking about Anglo-Christian God. Yeah. Yeah. One well, and, and Alicia in the next episode is the first one to refer to the machine as that. Yeah. It's just, this is going to only be in re- reinforced through dialogue, reinforced throughout the narrative of the season as we go along. I don't think you've got it there, but it's the name of an, uh, an episode that's going to come up pretty soon. Yeah. God mode, <laughs> <laughs> which is. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> there are some, you are right on the cusp of this show getting fucking bananas. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Oh, earlier in the episode, 
Peck calls on Alicia and they think it's like his girlfriend. What? What's going on? But then uh, like he's like, I've been speaking with Alicia Corwin and Harold's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And John's like, oh, fuck. Because <laughs> he's yeah. like, he's like, oh, no, that's a name. That's the one who sent me and my partner to kill each other in China. <laughs> Which is just like, it's the, the Kill Bill sirens going off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This episode lays a lot of track for a bunch of different things, too. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the, we get the Chekhov's, wouldn't you like to have a contingency? Uh, oh. Yeah. No, th- like I said, this is the booster rockets firing episode. Yeah. We also get the like first clue of how Finch gets the numbers. Mm-hmm. Although we don't overhear the convert you know, we don't overhear the message. Yeah. But it's it's really it's really like laying a lot of track for, you know, as I'm aware at this point next season. Which is really, you know, great to see in a TV show from this era. I mean this is this is exactly when when this is being done this is we're we're in a post lost world right now <laughs> yeah yeah i i do love the when harold harold which just shows his bias he he's like saying like um as with all issue as with um all computer systems the issue is human error to which i immediately screamed bullshit <laughs> because <laughs> i i mean human error at some point whether it was encoding or using yeah i feel like i don't disagree yeah. with harold here pepcac is like a, a staggering percentage of the things that go wrong in my world <laughs> yeah. i work with computers i mean and- i work yeah i mean i work in support and it's just like it's technically if you go back far enough it was human error but i mean no i mean i not, i don't i'm not even talking far enough i think like 90 percent of the problems come from like someone doing something stupid mm. and the other 10% are like computer goblins that live in, in the electronics <laughs> and only respond to blood and curses. Yeah. I, that's the 10% I'm referring to. It's like you, you can't lay this all on people. Machines are evil. Yeah. Yeah. Machines are, machines are a hundred percent cursed and agreed. <laughs> I love Harold, like, in, in the flashback scene where he's like, yeah, you know, there's only eight people who know. And Alicia's like, seven. Who the fuck did you tell? And, and, and Nathan's just like, oh, I'm so bad at math. And, and yeah, at that point, she's The guy like, claiming to have made the machine is like, oh, I'm so bad at math. Like, and you can just see her being like, this does not make any sense. She's just like... Who do I gotta fucking kill now? Yeah, yeah. This is, this is a great episode. Um, yeah. I was really so when I when I first watched it, especially since you two had given a few hints that there will be other characters who join the show as regulars at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering if Peck was going to be one of those regulars that like. I did too. First time yeah. through, I really thought they were going to recruit Peck the first time we w- because I watched he would have been he would be a really interesting member of the team to add, um, but alas, he sailed off into the sunset with you know a new ID and lots of money from Harold. It would have been it, I don't know. he would have been an interesting character though to keep around. Uh, headphones, yeah, headphones. Turns out it wasn't a headphone moment. We were both wrong. Yeah, which was very funny. I love that, actually. 
Yeah, I. Yeah, that's just really weird because it's like we both, like we were both, we like, were both a hundred percent certain yeah. he showed he had a, a, a specific, a very specific future appearance, and we were both completely wrong. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> Which, I mean, it, it's, like, I sort of is funny just because it means that it's, like, I, you know, it's, like, there, there's a lot of, like, because there's 100-plus episodes, you know, it's, like, and I, I just, I've made the conscious decision I'm not marathoning it to go, just to watch them all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, like, I want, I want to have, I would have it be a little fresh. I want to feel that visceral. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Like, there's a couple episodes that I'm going to watch multiple times or something. But, yeah, gosh, that's. That's and we've never talked about that either. It's not as though we like this is a conversation we've had that we were just mistaken about. This was out of the blue. That's very funny. There's one or two characters who like make multiple appearances who basically have Peck's same story. Interesting. Hmm. There's one episode that involves a bunch of numbers coming back uh, to help people, like to help the team in like a, a supplementary capacity. And I thought he, and like, it's in like season three or four or something. And I thought it was on, we thought it was on one of those instances. Interesting. Yeah. Too, too many generic white dudes. <laughs> yeah. Too many <laughs> floppy blonde haired white guys that discover the existence of the machine, I guess. I guess so. That's, that's very funny. Oh yeah. Well, let's just also talk about the Bowie in the room. The Bowie in the room. Uh, the an absolutely for a show that has terrific music as a rule, the use of that song is uh, David Bowie's. What is it? Is it called "God Is an American"? No, it's called "I'm Afraid of Americans." I'm afraid of Americans is so so good. Which was a song I'd never heard until the show before the show. Yeah, and I was just like, it works so perfectly because, like the the first time you hear it twice, one at the end where you where it's like where it's playing over Harold revealing the existence of the machine to Peck, but the first time you see it, it's where Reese has broken Peck out of out of jail or out of the station, stolen a cab. And you hear it as the camera is panning down over a government sniper, and you hear "I'm afraid of Americans." Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. like, totally and bad. I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, that is, it's such a good shot. And like, who, whoever picks the music for that, it was just like, ooh, I've got this, I've got this. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's another example of absolutely fantastic music choices. Yeah, it's. I like that. It's almost. It's not that it's not. I can never remember which one is the music that appears in the show versus like not in the show for diegetic versus non-diegetic. Diegetic is where you could like, where you could hear it like playing on a radio on the scene. Okay. So it's, it's not that it's diegetic, but it's, it's incredibly thematic. Yeah. Yeah. It like supplements the theme and it's like commenting on or, or like hinting at what's happening. It's really well chosen. And they do that a few times in this show. Uh, an example that I uh, another great example is when they're using um, when they use Sinner Man earlier earlier in the oh, season. Oh yeah, yeah for for Elias. Yeah, when John has the uh, the showdown with the HR cops in the lobby of the apartment building, it's Angel by Massive Attack, right? Yeah, yeah. The other thing that I I, I find interesting is that it introduced the sort of the cost of. The cost of the machine, and we'll see that a lot more as the series goes along. Yeah. The only way that the machine can exist is through the massive violation of civil rights. Yeah. Um, which 
is, is theoretically they do they they try to explain away that by saying it's a closed system nobody can access those yeah it's how it's how finch assuages his conscience for having built it is by making it a closed loop but the other consequence of it and this is the part that he doesn't calculate when he's building it but that becomes rapidly apparent once it's handed over is that the other thing that is necessary for it to function is that no one can know it exists. Yeah. Yeah. Because anyone who does has to die. So this is the first introduction of the intelligence support activity. Yep. Who the ISA will be, will be elaborated upon later in season two in one of our favorite episodes I would say collectively. I know at least Jude and I. Anna, would you agree? Uh, I'm trying to remember which episode that is. That's the introduction of uh, our baby girl, Shaw. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the I, the ISA we'll learn, but like it is introduced here. And one of its goal what, or one of its directives is just kill people who know about the machine. And between what's linked in later episodes and this one, that is not an uncommon activity, it seems like. I also love that this episode introduces the idea of knowledge of the machine as a contagion. Mm -hmm. And it really, I love that concept in general, but also I love that it has like big SCP vibes. (laughs) Right, yeah. That it's like, oh, this is a mimetic hazard, (laughs) essentially, which is very interesting. Yeah, I I really love that as a concept and just like how... That it has it has to be like curtailed, otherwise it could become like there will be a critical mass point, right? And it and it also shows the importance of you know at this point neither Carter nor Fosco know how John and Finch get their information, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming it stays like that for some time at least. But it emphasizes the importance of keeping that. Say that information from them that they, yeah. you know, keeping the secret so that they narratively it's easy to think of like, oh, well, if they just knew about the machine, then like everything would be explained to them and it would all make sense. And but then it's like, actually, yeah. no, yeah, it's it's like if you talk like every person you tell, it is a roll of the dice. Do, do we believe that this person would keep the machine a secret? Right. Or, yeah. And would them even knowing and not telling anybody be an incredible danger to them? Right. And like, you know, I could see there being the risk of like, what if Carter were to say, make an offhand comment to her son? Yeah. Or or Fusco with, with his kid. Like, yeah, you know, that there's there's real risks there. Yeah. And it becomes the thing of like, and it becomes like, what if one of them... Like, what if that's Fusco's breaking point for a consciousness and he's the one who goes public about it or something? Right. You know? Right. Yeah. It, it's which, yeah, I, I, I love I love it as a concept. I'm very happy that this is fictional <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it's terrifying on a on a meta level. Also, this is the penultimate parent trap episode. Yes. We're, we're yep. going to get the end of the parent trap next episode. And I and it's still fun of them just bouncing through each other this this one has some of the best of like carter and fusco both like glaring suspiciously at each other constantly it's it's fantastic yeah yeah they both are sure the other is up to something nefarious 
Also, I, I, like the, the last thing I've just got on my list here is about Grace. Yeah, I like the introduction of her just because it it does give like it gives one thing in the present that ties Harold down. Yeah, and it's also the one thing I really like about it is it also I think it really hammers home the theme of this episode, which is that the machine takes mm-hmm. that you can know about the machine and you can be a part of the machine world. Or you can be a part of the real world, but you can't do both. Exactly. Yeah. And to the degree that, like, Finch has an app that tells him when he's too close to the boundary between these two worlds. Exactly. And I think that's a really, I think it's a great choice of, like, a B-plot that subtly reinforces what the A-plot is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We ready to move on to the season finale? Let's do it. Let's go. All right. Episode 23, Firewall, written by Greg Plagman and Jonathan Nolan, our showrunner, directed by Richard J. Lewis. This week's number is Carolyn Turing, or is it? No, it's not. Or is it? We'll get to that. Turing is a shrink to the wealthy, so John goes undercover and makes some snarky complaints about Finch, and within the night, they are on the run from HR. Uh, and shortly after that, the FBI. I am jumping over a lot here, but none of it's terribly important. Um, <laughs> suffice to say, Turing is on the run from HR, who try with spectacular ineptitude to kill her. And then the FBI show up chasing the man in the suit, and they end up boxed in in the honeymoon suite at a fancy hotel. Something about the situation doesn't sit right with Finch, so he brings in Zoe Morgan, who discovers a few minutes too late that Turing doesn't exist. She is, in fact, Root. Dun, dun, dun. Meanwhile, John has helped her escape down a sewage tunnel of some kind, and it's revealed that she hired HR to kill herself to get on the machine's number list. She has been sent to meet up with Finch to get away. She kills Alicia Corwin in an epic case of wrong place, wrong time, and kidnaps Finch. Also, Fusco and Carter finally figure out that they're working for the same people, much to each other's annoyance, while in the men's room, in one of my favorite scenes of this episode. (laughs) They help John escape, then Fusco turns over all the evidence he's gathered while uh, undercover in HR, not, well, undercover, air quotes, leading to an epic bust of the FBI. Finally, John realizes that he is the contingency. He's supposed to replace Finch. He tells the machine via street camera he won't do it. He needs Finch, insert shipping noises here, uh, and to figure it out, the phone rings. Obviously, I skipped over. This is one of the most succinct summaries I've ever written. Yeah, my God. But honestly, that hits all the plot points. There's a whole lot of, like, filler There's stuff a lot of details. There's a lot of details. There's a good, like, 15 to 20 minutes of like just spot on action TV. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my bullet points is that the, the escape from the hotel is great action TV. John has some, some real fucking like super agent fucking moments in this episode. They, they got like a mini diehard movie scrammed into like eight minutes there when they're in the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Including, Caroline trying to like shrink wrap John and HR on the floor below them with the FBI on the floor on top. Yeah, and it's then, really good. 
and Finch uh, cutting out all cell service in the south of Manhattan. Yeah, I think, though, we should start by talking about the very small brunette elephant in the room, and that is the absolutely inspired casting of Amy Acker oh. as Root. I mean, the, fir- the first half... You play one evil god. Yeah, yeah You play right? one evil god. Um, I called her the one queer... I, I joked, we stand one queer technotheist terrorist. <laughs> like, the first, the first 40 minutes of this episode where she's Caroline Turing, she's great. You think it's just, oh, it's cool that they got Amy Acker for, you know, a... Yeah. Um, she does this doe-eyed scared thing to a T. Yeah, she's playing the, she's playing the role you think Amy Acker is there to play. Yeah. And then she double taps fucking Alicia Corwin. What's her name? Oh Alicia Corwin and just dumps her out the side of the car and just jumps in and she's got the crazy eyes. Yeah. And she just my gets, favorite thing about that scene is when the camera's on Corwin in that scene. You see Root walking up in the side mirror. Right. That's and it's, just fantastic. It is like slasher movie levels of, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Yeah. It's it's amazing yeah. cinematography. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to know the first point where I got suspicious about uh, Turing? Where was, was I tried to remember with that. Like, yeah, we, we watched it all together first. Is it the yellow boxes? Yes. That that was one. Because, yeah, because she's tagged with the yellow boxes. And you, and you both tried to gaslight me on that. What is, <laughs> you tried you tried to claim that other numbers have been in yellow. Did we? I'm pretty I don't remember. Yeah. Well, I wasn't lying. Uh, Elias was in yellow at one point. I don't think after. <laughs> Thanks. But you you tried to convince me that that was not suspicious um in uh. the moment. But you know you know the thing that really that that really like made me suspicious about her? She wears those goddamn heels in the fucking stairwell. That's funny. She's wearing these like four inch stiletto heels up and down like 50 floors of stairs. Only a villain sticks with the stilettos the whole time. Yeah, like that. It it made it obvious that she was like maintaining an act of some form. Interesting, especially when when paired with uh, the thing I noted in the first Zoe episode, which is that um, at the end of her long day, in she she takes off her shoes and is carrying them on her way back from the car that John is driving. Oh, see, I just assumed that was different writers. Fine. Or di- different directors. See, that that's a thing of like, you know, that's done when you specifically want to make a point of something, I think. Yeah, but like anybody who legitimately thought that their life was in danger would not be wearing stiletto heels, like running up and down stairs, because that means that you're more in danger of like falling and breaking your neck. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's also she is remarkably calm for a person who is being who has like multiple things, multiple teams trying to kill her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something you don't notice right away because she like makes a a cursory attempt to look sh- rattled at the beginning. So you're like, oh, she's rattled with the like the whole chocolate scene. But then like during the whole firearms fight, she's just like along for the ride. And then yeah. Sure enough, it's because she's eminently confident in John's ability to murder her way out of it. Yeah, yeah. That like it's 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 interesting. And like 
on a rewatch, knowing the twist, like it's it's so obvious that that first interaction with that one client is staged, like entirely for John's benefit because he's watching. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's it's perfect. It's she figured out how the machine works. Yeah, and she and, and she's like, it's smart, but gigo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's fantastic. Which, which for the people who might not know that, it means garbage in, garbage out, which is a computer techno uh, computer term of I'm going to put in this data. I'm I if I put in X, I'm going to get Y, even <laughs> if it's a bad X. Yeah, a machine is only as good as the data you give it. So if you give it false data, you'll get a false result, and that's exactly what happens. Turing understands or Root understands what is triggering she somehow figured out what the machine is is latching onto to produce a number and takes advantage of that and she has been watching Harold and John the amount of effort that she put into like arranging this whole thing is bananas like that she this wasn't a easy to see through front like Harold didn't yeah. see through it it took Zoe like breaking into her office um, to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I would have I would have been twigged by the Joe Montana. <laughs> is the, that Joe Montana? It's, it's a Joe Montana Sears ad. Yes, it is. But we all know that John's not that bright. <laughs> Except when he is. Yes. Yeah. John has a limited skill set. Recognizing people from Sears ads is not one of them. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I. I this is one of my this is one of my favorite episodes of the first season. Hard agree. Yeah. I love like Alicia originally coming in here and like entering and like she is full on just like you created a monster, you created God, and we gotta shut it off. And Harold's just like, I don't have access to it anymore. Yeah. He's just like, this is this is I purposefully made it so that it's not my circus and not my monkey anymore. You know, it's just, I just get, I just get shit thrown at me from this monkey. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to see in the coming episodes that people seem to think that Harold has a lot more control over the machine than he does. Yeah. Cause he, he doesn't even know the physical location of it. We've also got some great lines like the, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not trying to kill you. (laughs) Which has John said that before? I seem to recall him saying it multiple times. Or it being a recurring line. We'll have to we'll have to track that. Yeah, I I don't think so, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, yeah, I I would have to go back and look. I don't remember. What a good episode, though. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's a nice cap to season one. I feel like it's a nice capstone in the season that we figured out that like there is a formula here, but here's how it gets twisted and inverted a couple times, especially mm. in the season finale where it's the machine is fallible in yeah. a way. The machine is being directly manipulated. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very cool. I love that. I th- do we have any do we have any other like major points that we want to tap on or um well we should probably at least mention the like talk do we well let me I guess it's more of a question. Well we should talk about the pa- the parent trap yeah. revealed. <laughs> yeah, well I was going to say like the parent trapping and then the 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 HR roll up. Like do we have anything to say about that? So I mean, the first thing with the parent trapping of like Fusco and Carter both furiously texting and Carter yeah. thinking it's like Fusco's the rat. 
Yeah. Because that is the most yeah. logical conclusion you can come to in a scene like this. Yeah. I love when she like opens the stall door and he's just like squatting there all like villainously. And then they reveal the situation and she's just like, she grabs the phone out of his hand and she's just like, son of a bitch. It's really God, good. It's so good. I love that reveal. I feel like it's one of the few plot holes in this season or, or in the show, but like glaring plot holes that... Nobody notices that it's Fusco that helps rescue John and they never seem to like care. Like nobody's like, hey, I remember you were the one that like didn't get rolled up in the HR thing and helped the man in the suit escape. Like it's never commented on later. I mean, I mean, they also like talk about like murders and stuff like in public. I just assume that it's because Fusco had a submachine gun. Uh, or, or like <laughs> nobody can co- can countenance the idea of Fusco with a machine yeah, gun. Yeah, or, or just like you know, or like if Fusco's shooting at it, people taking cover. They, you know, it's it's a it's a blurry situation. Oh, I've never been shot at with a submachine gun, so I, I I wouldn't know. But I that that tracks. Yeah, and I I just and like Simmons doesn't get arrested, not for lack of trying. Yeah, though. I mean, like there are there are <laughs> but like a bunch of HR survives because yeah. as it will turn out. HR fucking cockroaches. And the actual mole is nobody. It's or the mole is a per, like Sir not appearing in this film. Just yeah. a dude who is absolutely <laughs> nothing who was in the background of one shot. Yeah. It was just like that seems like a nothing burger, but eh, whatever. I'm not gonna cry over it. Yep. Yeah. There's so much there's so much packed into the episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the end of season one. Yeah, Anna, what do you think of season one of first of interest? It was it was pretty solid. The the mid season doldrums were rough, but you know, but ultimately those episodes were not like unenjoyable, right? That you know they are not fantastic television, but they were you know fine to watch. Nothing egregiously awful, mm-hmm. and had some had some real good stuff. The the like playing with the various like variations on how on how the the number plot can um can turn out i think it's really cool because that leaves that leaves that a little bit like at this point we've kind of seen i think most of the iterations of possible scenarios that the machine can Mm -hmm. generate in terms of like the broad structure of you know villain versus victim and twists and such um, and so that kind of frees up the rest of the show to delve more into the more nuanced stuff and like the deeper plot rather than like, and here's a new type of machine twist. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a solid, solid foundation. And I can also see why, you know, as much as I love the ongoing plot stuff, I think that probably having it be a little bit more episodic in the first season was a decent choice because it's a little bit closer to a show that people would be used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That you could definitely see somebody who enjoys like elementary, say picking this up and being like, Hey, it's a procedural. And then, and then it slowly introduces the like longer running AI yeah. stuff. The yeah. thing, the thing that I always love is that it's not only a show with the same backbone as a murder mystery, but there's no dead bodies or they're not, there aren't as many. I mean, no, I mean, a lot there aren't as bodies. many. They're like the focus it's of not about the, the it's dead not bodies. about the dead. Yeah. It's not about the dead bodies. It's about, st- they just happen. 
they just happen in the in the course of solving the the yeah exactly yeah so okay i'm gonna put you on the spot here okay one fear so we are you you have watched through the end of season two i believe oh you have not not. you've you've watched watched through you've watched through um relevance correct i believe so um i can pull up the the episode list here and i can actually pull up my phone with i can pull up my phone with the hbo app and that will tell me so yeah so you're you're like mid mid late season season two i have i've watched um through booked solid i have not watched relevance because you told me i couldn't watch it yet no we watched relevance together that's why you haven't watched it oh oh, oh, oh yeah yeah the, that's that's why it was because right. i was like no we've seen this and it was yeah no it's you, the reason it's not on your hbo app because we watched it on mine yeah um, right okay yeah so yeah you've gotten through that episode so what i would want to ask you is i would like you to give me we'll say three oh, approximately three predictions you have for the rest of the show brought to you by baja blast <laughs> Not sponsored yet. Sponsored by Good Samaritan. Okay. Theories. Theories. Hypotheses, if you will. I'm not convinced that Kara is dead. Okay. Interesting. We didn't see a body that maybe because it's- <laughs> this, is, this is honestly so valid. Because it's vaporized. It's so valid. Okay. We didn't see a body. This either because she was vaporized, <laughs> which is entirely plausible- or because she's not dead, and I am unwilling to put a stake on which one it is at this That's moment. So good. Okay. That's honestly a really healthy, uh, a really healthy attitude to take. Yeah. It's a show about spies. The spies are not dead until you see a body. And even then. Right, exactly. At some point, Carter and or Fosco is going to learn about the machine. Okay. That I don't I don't think that that can necessarily stay a secret for five seasons. Fair, fair. Okay. Uh, and what would be the last one? Shoot um, big. Shoot crazy. I think that the machine is going to hand John and Harold at least one relevant number. Because they're the ones who are best suited to take care of it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Take that. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, we're going to collate those. And I think we're going to, uh, I think what we'll have you do is when, is if, if we don't, if like we don't have you watch the season two finale, just have you uh, jot yours down and we'll do them on air. It, it, like jot them on, jot them on down so we can have those on hand for the end of season two. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> but just like when we, when you watch the end of season two, we'll just do this again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we had we had my ridiculous ones for B five. Yeah, which were very accurate. <laughs> Frighteningly, I, so. I'm really proud of myself. I again, Nostradamus. I'm Cassandra. I guess I'll get to find out how how good I am at predicting these things. You two had very interesting facial expressions. So I think those that. were very good predictions from what you've seen so far. All right, so. We're going to be starting season two uh, next episode. I'm not going to say next week because you never know. Yeah. Season two starts out so, so fun. Yeah, it really does. We are. That is going to be uh, season two, episode one and two, the contingency and bad code. <laughs>
in hmm. which we will meet two of our new favorites. Yep. <laughs> Until next time, we're the contingency. You're being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share like no derivatives license. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for person... That was the Baja Blast there. (laughs) Have fun with that outtake, Karen. (laughs) Podcast of... (laughs)